Did I interest you in a stamp? Yeah, give me a stamp. Oh. No, give me a purple one. Oh, I'm sorry we haven't any purple ones. I could uh, paint one for you. I don't want a painted one. person hasn't got any rights in this country anymore. The government even tells you what color stamps you gotta buy. Live from the open sea, this is the award-winning stamp show here today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. This is episode number 341, brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. This is Cash. This is Mark. This is Scott. This is Albert. And today we are discussing rarity and scarcity. In stamp collecting, we have a relationship with scarcity and rarity that many non-collectors do not possess. Uh, when we see a lot of things, and last week we were discussing NFTs, uh, a lot of things that I see people discussing as rare, we have a different take on it because we're stamp collectors. We see rare things not all the time, but rarity is not a rare thing in stamp collecting. Well, actually, once you get into uh, the the older material, you're collecting history, and history then becomes a lot of unique items. So, yeah, rarity is just kind of a given yep. in stamp collecting. Or it's like uh, Jim Forty always says uh, in postal history, rarity is common. So uh, I was looking today, and I pulled up on OpenSea the uh, trading value today of the post office NFTs. And first of all, I got some uh, questions answered. The NFT that they are selling is exactly the same image of the stamp. Now, I haven't really compared each one, and there may be slight color varieties, but they all look like the U.S. Forever stamp. But they're kept at an angle. Yeah, that is kind of weird there at an angle. Rather than face on. Yeah. So I'm wondering if they're altering the angle and making that a unique NFT. That could well be a case, yeah. So it's not, it's not straight on. It's sort of at an angle. Anyway, the description on this one is Day of the Dead Mother, parenthesis, ultra rare <laughs> and uh, in case you want to buy this it's on open sea it cost six tenths of a ethereum which ethereum today is a, a little over or a little under a little over twenty five hundred dollars i mean it was way higher hmm. but uh today at today's ethereum exchange rate this nft is 156 dollars equivalent 
So, well, no, it's yeah. that's <laughs> if you have $156, you can buy this. All right. Originally sold for $6. Originally six bucks. So let's discuss ultra rare real quick. Albert, or actually Scott, you're, you're on the podcast today. Yeah. Well, hi. <laughs> what is ultra rare? Um, that, that I would class ultra rare is something I've never seen before. And from my perspective, I've been doing this for 30 years. So at that point, if I haven't seen it before, I would consider it ultra rare. Now, if I'd only been doing it for six months, that def definition might be different. Mark, the uh, post office sold, they said thousands of these, right? Right. So is there any stamp that has thousands of them out there? which is ultra rare. No. What would, uh, let's me pretend, they, well, they say thousands, let's just say there's 2,000, okay? We'll give them the benefit of the doubt. 2,000, because they say thousands, we'll go with the very lowest number possible. We'll say there's 2,000 of these NFTs out there. If there was a stamp that existed in the number of 2,000, would it be ultra rare? Or something else, and if something else, what would that something else be? Well, my question then is, how many collectors are out there for that item? Right. Popularity Let, makes a huge difference. Let's say uh, 7 billion people on the planet. I mean, without... Yeah, but they're not all collectors. Without considering what the market is in, in today, yeah, 2,000 would be rare, but... It may not be expensive. So, yeah, depending on popularity. Yeah. I wouldn't even consider it rare if 2,000 were out there. Do you consider something like 15 to be ultra rare? I would consider less than five to be ultra rare. The one cent magenta is ultra rare. Well, I, I, I can think, I would think that anything with, a, um, you know, maybe less than 20 or or so would be ultra rare because generally the, most of them are going to be locked up in the highest level collections anyway, or in uh, institutions or something like that. But I, it's not going to be some, it's a, it's a measure of how often you're going to come across it. Well, let me look at uh, one of the cancel books when they have ultra rare, it's usually single digits. Exactly. And low single digits at that. Yeah, you, you can have an ultra-rare perfin variety, but it, the value is very low because no one collects it. Whereas, you know, there's probably a couple of thousand of the uh, different special printings, well, but they're really popular. How many uh, imperf droid press sheets did the post office issue? 5,000? Uh, I would say probably less than a thousand. Oh, less than a thousand. Okay, let's call it a thousand then. There's what six on each sheet. Yeah, I think there were six on a sheet. So that's six thousand of them were issued. Is six thousand ultra rare? No, it's uncommon. Yeah, it's, it jumps right past scarcity. Scarce. It's not rare. It's not scarce. It's uncommon. Our, our favorite stamp to talk about over the last year, Scott number 596, I think there's, what, 14 copies, roughly? Roughly. 
Yeah. I would say that's ultra rare. Uh, I saw like four of them on eBay. <laughs> All owned by one guy. All owned by one guy. Yeah. No, no, no certs on them or anything. I mean, one of them was a coil. I mean, a two cent, a, the unused two cent missionary is unique. That's, that's ultra rare yeah. uh, and worth last just sold for like roughly six hundred thousand not five hundred seventy five six hundred thousand uh, dollars on the other hand um in inverted jenny there's a hundred of them out there and they sell routinely anywhere from a low of maybe eighty five thousand all the way up to a million and a half or more all based on condition all based on condition oh let me pull up my uh calculator here because the the board ape NFTs were selling for about 91 um, Ethereum. So an Ethereum, I'm going to say, is $2,500 times 91. So $227,500 for a Bored Ape NFT. Hmm. There are more than 6,000 of those. All right. Um, there are 6,000 droid sheets and the droid sheets are selling for between 85 and 150 bucks. And these I, think, are, I think they're these wholesaling at the wholesaling, the low end and retailing at the higher end. Yeah, that's what I'm. And, uh, so $227,000 for something that's as scarce as something that's selling and stamp collecting at $150. All right. But the difference is, is that in 50 years' time, the droid sheet will be a historical item. <laughs> the droid sheet you'll be able to have in your hand. Right. And what will the NFT? What will the, you know, what will the value of this NFT be in 50 years from now? You know, who will care? Well, that's the whole thing. Is in 50 years, will the server have gone down that hosts them? Right. I. Who's the last person to hold the NFTs? The idiot who's willing to pay the most money. Uh, who knows? <laughs> they don't, or the, the younger people who deal in, who are into cryptocurrencies and NFTs, they think that, that those of us who still like gold and silver and still like stamps and coins, they think we're going to be gone. Well, well, in fifty years, we probably we, will yeah. be gone. <laughs> <laughs> the, the hitch there is, though, and again, it's exactly what Richard Layman said. Uh, one of the main things of collectible is to get it in your hand. You know, that's one of the reasons why the investment companies, uh, the one we were discussing, um, you know, the people who listen to this podcast aren't going to be the market for it because I'm guessing that everybody who, if you're listening to a stamp collecting podcast, it's because you like having the stamps. You like holding them and looking at them. You listen to us for our wit witty banter but you also no. look for the no. <laughs> <laughs> for the expertization because you, if you don't have it in your hand, expertization doesn't matter. There are many things that are rare that are not necessarily very ex expensive. Yep. And again, like I said, uh, as stamp collectors, we have a different relationship with rarity than the normal person does. And it's not that I think that more people collect NFTs than stamps. I think that far more people probably collect stamps than NFTs. 
I think that most of the NFTs are held by a small group of people. I, I would actually venture to say that's a very small group of people. Yeah. And uh, we will see what happens because if something is unsustainable, it will eventually end. Yep. I, uh, I predict a, a Beanie Baby future for NFTs. That's a good one. Why don't you discuss Beanie Babies real quick? Uh, well, Beanie Babies. I mean, they they uh, that was a fad that um, that gained popularity, and and it, that's that's a, an instance where the popularity of something artificially increases the price of something. Um, you know, you could say that the that the um, that the inverted Jenny is uh, priced way over the actual value based on scarcity. But they're so popular, and they'll continue to be popular because of... They have of, a great story. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's an excellent story. Whereas, uh, whereas Beanie Babies were something that were manufactured at the time and, um, and, and were, were, were bought and sold and traded, and, and you know people just jumped on this bandwagon thinking this is the next big thing, and you could get into it very easily. You don't have to be, you didn't have to be knowledgeable to get into it. Well, there's still some hardcore Beanie Baby fans out there. Right. But uh, I, I mean, would, you call it the same as the uh, collectible card games, you know, the magic and Star Wars, that, la, all last, of those things. Last night on Antiques Roadshow, which was taped at the Desert Botanical Garden in in Phoenix, somebody brought the the last thing that they showed is somebody brought in some of these magic cards from the from the 1990s and. The, the guy claimed that because these are right now the card part of the card craze, if he, he thought that the cards were worth like fifty to seventy five thousand dollars, and I was amazed to hear that, having thrown things like that away at, <laughs> when I was that age. I remember when they started, and I had a friend who who tried the game and really liked it because you know a lot of the people I knew were into games, and uh, he urged me to go get some. I mean, and this was literally a month or two months after they came out. And I didn't, and I was stupid because I could have made a lot of money. Well, yeah, I played Magic for a decade. I mean, I I still have two Magic decks. And uh, they're probably valuable now because, you know, the cards were old in it. So one of the uh, videos on YouTube that went viral was there's an alpha... Right, there was an, an expe uh, the experimental part of the game of Magic, and he got an Alpha pack and opened it up, and there was a Black Lotus, an Alpha Black Lotus, so a rare printing of a rare card, right. worth that's about the key, that's, that's the key card. Yeah, worth about fifty to fifty-five thousand dollars. Of course, what did he have to pay for the pack? Uh, he bought the pack for a thousand dollars. But he got fifty. That's, that's I mean that's right in the vein of going to the casino and oh yeah putting your thousand dollar bill in the slot machine to see if you win the lottery. Well, that was or when, win the spin when, when baseball cards had their first big runaround when in the uh, in the late seventies through the early nineties. People were buying unopened packs just to just to gamble with. Oh yeah, the packs were sometimes the better packs were fifteen or twenty or twenty five dollars each, and they. They knew that if they got the right card, they would they would quadruple their money. I was one of those. As a matter of fact, I have a whole bunch of two dollar uh, inverted Jennies still in their wrappers. That I so do I, but they're slowly dwindling as I use them for postage. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, but they... they um, but as soon as they truly go off sale, because you can still buy them. They well, are still available from the post office. Well, they had them at they had them at uh, at Stamp Show. Yeah. Well, right. there's a it's a uh, twelve dollar lottery ticket. All right. Well, I guess I bought ten lottery tickets yeah. there. Just except that, uh, in my opinion, it's it's no lottery ticket at all because I think that the um, GAO uh, owns them all. No, you think so? Because yeah. they were sitting on a guy's desk at the at USPS. All the yeah. all the uh, uh, uninverted. Oh, they're more likely in a safe. But yeah, yeah. yeah they're, so they're they're unavailable to the right, general public. They're under government control. Yeah. So yeah. So buying buying two dollar um, Jenny invert sheets now in the in the envelopes is just just it's like, not a lottery ticket. It's just yeah, postage. Yeah. Just just like the just like the bluish papers. You just got to find something yep. the government wants so you can trade them for it. Yep. <laughs> well, that's what uh, there is one in right side up Jenny sheet which is missing though, because. A lady purchased it and used it. And then she, after the fact, said, I think I had one of these. Because the cardboard stiffener that comes with it says on it, congratulations, this is a rare item. Mm -hmm. She had the card. Ah, but not the stamps. But not the stamps. So (laughs) then she contacted the people that she sent the, the items to. And they had thrown away all the wrappers by the time she knew, found out. I mean, it was like a month or two later. But so there is one sheet that is not gettable because it was used. Yeah. Well, unless you want to go try and find the, search the dump and yep, exactly. hopefully it hasn't decomposed. Yeah, I imagine what what might happen is... Um, it, it might be uh, something similar to the deaccession on uh, on the National Postal Museum, where they had all those um, those revenue stamps, and then they just decided to sell them. I think what what may happen is some years now the the uh, Government Accountability Office will uncover these, you know, the the un the unsent uh, uh, right side up Jennies, and then uh, you know put them out there. For auction or something, or more likely, they'll put one or two out and, and then destroy the rest. Destroy yeah. the rest so that right. it'll lower the count. Yeah, that's that's a shame because they were they the, the whole the whole part of that promotion was they were supposed to be put out by random and have everybody have a fair shake. There was absolutely nothing random about it. Yep. Unfortunately, they ran a lottery that wasn't a lottery. Well, you brought up that uh, that happened in Phoenix. And something else happened in Phoenix last weekend. There was a big stamp show there, a oh. champion of champions level exhibit uh, opportunity at Arapex at the uh, Mesa Convention Center uh, for this past Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And we had, how many frames did we have? Over 230, was it? Yeah. Yep. I exhibited. I did not get my gold. I got a large vermeil. But but your son Sean was the king of all the ju- of all the youth exhibits. Oh yeah, he got the youth grand award. Big, huge, giant ribbon with a cockade on top, and it, it was an impressive looking ribbon <laughs> for his uh, railroad perfins on cover. Interesting. So, yep yeah, he he got. One of the three big awards. Yep. So it was a, it was an excellent show. I enjoyed it. I, I spent five grand while I was there. Oh. Yeah, you kept getting there before me. That's all <laughs> I can say. I give you great credit for that. Well, okay, what did you spend five grand on? Uh, I bought some uh, revenues and some uh, newspaper stamps 
um, and some singles that I wanted to get uh, get graded. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was great fun. Yeah, I bought things that were I bought a number of things for the reference, including a uh, a two cent bluish paper, a Scott number three fifty eight, used from Washington uh, in uh, March of nineteen oh nine, and it was an, it's a nice decent stamp on a cover, and I I bought it so I could have it for the reference collection. Cool. Yeah, getting uh, used one cent and two cent blue papers are is pretty cool. Getting uh, above two cent is uh, don't even bother looking. <laughs> They're not they weren't used. Or actually, what the five center was used on a lark. The thirteen centers are used from Saginaw, Michigan. Mostly, they're mostly um, off cover, and but there's as big as a block of four. But there are a couple covers from there. There are ten cent covers. There are um, there are uh, five cent covers. The best thing you can do with that is hold to on. Look there at, are ten cent covers. I never yeah, do that. There, you can look if you look in the power search for seagulls. You'll find all the all those items. No. The um, the five centers are used a couple years later, and they all appear to be used out of the Kansas City area. Yep. Don't ask me why they why a sheet came out of there, but that's what happened. Oh, I don't think the sheet came out of there. I think that uh, just some stray singles, maybe. Yeah, some stamp dealer. Because remember, in the beginning, blue papers were they had just come out of the lawsuit, and but they didn't have the major value that they have today. And you know, some people I know people who used like U.S. number twenty sixes on cover when. They mail their dues into the U.S. Classic Society just to get the it, the story on that, if people don't know. Um, U.S. number 26 was demonetized during the Civil War so that people wouldn't use them. So it's not valid for postage. So you have the latest known use. And the stamp is cheap enough where people will stick it on an envelope and the latest known use will be yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and then next year they'll move, uh, mail in their dues again and it'll be then that the latest use is so the latest use keeps moving up a year as people use the stamps just on a lark well I, I bought a 1951 cover used by a by an important New York auctioneer and it had a couple of uh, it had a couple of uh, private vending stamps on it and I yeah. just said well for this price I'll just buy it as a curiosity Oh, Jim Gamut. He, he's he's sick. That's why he's not on the uh, show today. He got a Benton Harbor uh, cover, and Benton Harbor, the fellow out at Coval, A.W. Philstrup. He he would use a lot of imperforated stamps. Well, this was a pair of one cent green Franklin uh, number five seventy five. No, no, no. Uh, the no. early one. Uh, the three eighty three is something like that. Yeah. I didn't know what the watermark was. Um, but they were cut jumbos like grade 100 stamps were. And it's the first time I'd ever seen that because uh, why would he have cut those up that way? It was very interesting. So it I left the corners of the other um, yeah. surrounding stamps? So, so yeah, it, it showed all the surrounding. Yeah, a pair, 100 jumbo. Wow. Yeah. And, it was, and he just had the frame line. All the way around. <laughs> you do occasionally find those in the offsets, including 533 and 534B. Oh, I that's the first one that I had ever seen where he cut it like that. Because you just, you know, you mess up the margins on all the stamps around it. Well, one of, well, well, Covell Company had a lot of different uh, branches. 
So one of the covers that one of the covers I bought a couple of months ago that I'm going to submit for a certificate is a, um, a 391 or 393 line pair, and it's pre-canceled, but it was sent on COVID. It's it's a line pair, and it was it's was used to send legitimate mail. Yeah. So there was no auction at this stamp show, but the only draw, of course, was the show itself and the exhibits. Um, and while oh, I had a good hold time, on, hold on, hold on. There was a lecturer there, a guest lecturer. Oh, yes. Yes, that's who, right. Who, who, I wonder who, who it was. <laughs> <laughs> Sign-in mystery guest. <laughs> Scott, you, you did two I lectures? Did, I did do two lectures. And uh, it, like always, they were supposedly about expertizing, but you you... And they're very good. Anybody who has a chance of catching one of Scott's lectures, go. Because he talks about expertizing for maybe like five minutes, and then you can ask him anything. And he'll, yeah, he'll it's, tell it's, you stuff. It's more of like an hour-long question-answer period. I kind of introduce myself and maybe a brief overview. And, and then it's kind of off to the races with questions. And uh, the first lecture on Friday... Um, I went over 20 minutes. It was an hour and 20 minutes because uh, the the people that were there just kept asking questions. Yeah. And, you know, as long as nobody else wanted the room, there was no reason to get up and go anywhere. So, um, yeah, no, it's a chance for it's it's just a chance for people to come sit down and pick my brain, ask whatever they want. And uh, most people think that it's a really great thing. And, and I it enjoy it. Really I enjoy it and they enjoy it. And so just, you know, you're not tied down to a topic that way. You, we covered everything from what happened, you know, what's the process at PSE to, uh, you know, specific questions on colors and, and experts. And, and yeah, like, like the first day. Anything. They, you talked all about everything, but <laughs> didn't, I don't think you even mentioned grading. And then the second day, it was like 75, 80% about grading. Everybody had questions about grading. Yeah. I mean, it, it just ask whatever you want. And it just kind of, it's, it's neat to sit there and, and listen. And, and it just kind of flows from one topic to the next to the next as, as people think of questions. Yep. So it, it's a good, it's a good uh, fun time. So would you buy a Darapex? Me? Um, well, I got a nice 537 red-violet shade pair, a mint pair to put in the reference collection. That and was, 537 is the first stamp of the United States, right? It, <laughs> it's the victory stamp. It normally comes in violet, and this was a nice, very strong red-violet. Uh, not the deep red-violet or the pale red-violet, but it was the nice, solid red-violet. Make It's going to make a great reference. Had a thin on the back, so... Yeah, I saw that pair, and it, it, the the color was striking. Very I just, striking. I just didn't think it was one of the really rare shades. Well, they're all kind of rare now. Yeah. <laughs> the values have gone up significantly. So, um, yeah, I got that as a as a reference. That was a really nice find. And uh, a few other things. I bought a few covers. Bought some uh, postage <laughs> for my uh, sheets. Just kind of buffing out my sheet references. Um, some of the ones I've missed over the last 20 years. But that's about all I did. I spent all my money on stamps of the Philippines. Uh, Lyle 
No, Kyle. Kyle, Kyle Nebo? Kyle Nebo out of uh, Utah. Na- Nibo. Nibo? Nibo. Kyle Nibo. Shout out to Kyle. Uh, he and had, Millie, hi. Yeah, he had a uh, collection of possessions, and the Philippine part of it had a lot of stuff that, you know, it doesn't catalog a lot. It's the scarcity thing again. You know, there were stamps that were printed in like, 4,000, 5,000, 6,000, up to 10,000 that catalog $200, $300. You know, and they're really super hard to find because, you know, they were so, the, the printing quantities were so small and he had them. And I'd been looking for these things for quite a while. And so I filled quite a few spots in my uh, collection. Hmm. So that was a good one for me. I did not spend, uh, I spent far more on hotel room and food <laughs> than I did on stamps. Yeah, a shout out to Gus's world famous fried chicken. Oh, yeah, that was, that place was good. Oh, yeah. Definitely going back there. Yeah. One of the covers I bought was an illegal usage. It had a lung association label in place of a stamp, and it was, wasn't caught by the post office. Yeah, in somebody's $2 box, I bought a, uh, I bought a, um, a 1902 um, cutout that had been put on and uh, and and posted, um, so it's, it'll become part of a talk on on fakes that got through. Cool. Well, you you know, it's a kind of interesting thing because sometimes a lot of times you see them with uh, where they've been taxed by the post office because it was caught. But there, this was an example out of a dollar or two dollar box where it went through. Well, a shout out to Kevin Lesk, who was the uh, chairman of Arapex 2022. You did a fantastic job. It was a fantastic show. And with that, unless anybody has anything to say, we're out of here. My next show is Westpex. I will be there on Friday only. If you want to stop me on the show floor and say hi, be happy to reciprocate. Reciprocate by saying hi back. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I do not have a scheduled lecture at that show. (laughs) We need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. (laughs) Because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this still clown was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! (laughs) 
You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.